Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right. So hello, hello, Daji. Thank you so much for being here, for chatting with me and sharing about everything you do. And I'll see your wonderful new book, Spiritual Anatomy. I have so many questions for you, but I'm excited to, first of all, just hear how you're how you're feeling right now. Thank you, Tara. Thank you for being with us. Uh, I'm all right. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> under the weather a bit. Uh, there is some lack of energy and uh, mm. lack of drive or just I need to pick up that somehow. And Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you feel better soon. Maybe we can, oh, we will pump it up <laughs> together a little bit and then you can get some rest too. Yes. I know you yes. For a few days because of this cold and cough, I couldn't mm. do my breathing exercise. Uh. And that keeps me going, actually. Breathing exercises are great for me. Mm. Uh, so once I'm out of this cold, and then I will start the breathing exercises, pranayama, and then I'll be just fine. Well, that's good. I think that's such a good reminder for, I know me and a lot of people I know and people listening that if you if you can't do your practice, it doesn't feel good. And how how great you feel and how wonderful yeah. and vital you do when you when you do do your practices. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll keep this easy and painless, hopefully. But uh, I wanted to a... ask you. I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, so many stories you share in your book. Um, the first one that drew me in was your childhood experiences that you felt, I'm sure you can describe much, much better than I'm able to, to take in from your book, but you know, the experiences of, of the universe and meditation and connectedness and all of that. And uh, I know so many people have sort of similar experiences, but they're not able to really talk about it or decode it. So would you mind sharing yours? I know that'll help a lot of people. Definitely, definitely. I think all of us, without an exception, have gone through some level of esoteric experience where we cannot explain why do I feel the way I felt just now. There's no logical explanation. For example, you may be reading a book and you are so absorbed and you are lost and it's as if you're going to sleep, but maybe asleep, but if that occurs again and again and you feel lighter and weightless, as if you are floating in a, in a gravity-free field, then you can say it is extraordinary. And how to repeat such experiences time and again? I think we can, through our conscious effort, bring about many experiences which are mentioned in many holy scriptures. Um, especially when they talk about dhyana or meditation and samadhi. 
And when we personally, on our own experience, a state that goes beyond the mind, meaning transcending the mind itself, transcending our intelligence, transcending our ego, transcending the very self, then we, when we look from higher perspective, higher dimension, then there's so much of joy identifying ourselves in an increasing order from the outer world to the body, to the mind, to the intellect, to the ego, and finally you identify yourself with consciousness. And then even to transcend that and finding and experiencing that which supports the consciousness, I think that is possible through meditation and meditation only. No esoteric practice other than meditation can lead us to that. And I, I say this emphatically without any doubts, because whatsoever practice one may undergo, it has to be internal. And internal practice is always about how you focus your mind and later on how your thoughts, they become the experience and how those experiences can prompt us to become that experience and then finally how to transcend that becoming also, transcending oneself. Let me explain this in a better understandable way. Suppose you say, I believe in God. Okay, fine. You believe in God. Some people say, I don't believe in God. That's also fine. I would say, Tara, that people who say, I don't believe in God, they are quite honest, actually. Mm. People, and I don't mean to say those who believe in God are dishonest, but I would recommend them. There is something beyond your belief. Belief is good. It's like knowledge is good. That there is God, that is a knowledge. Belief that there is God, there is a belief system. Both are similar. But what if I am made to experience that divinity, that godliness? Then you cannot say, I deny its existence. And once you have experienced it, howsoever temporary, it becomes talk of for a lifetime that oh, I experienced it. But that is very superficial. Hmm. Because once you experience it, then you like to retain it forever with you, that state, and hopefully in an incremental way. Because howsoever loftier that experience be, it still falls short of that infinity. Because infinity means incremental experiences. And incremental experiences in consciousness can arise only when I incrementally change within myself. If I remain complex, if I remain impure, if I remain too complicated within myself, will I be able to um, experience the divinity? I doubt it. So to the extent I can simplify my inner world, to the extent I can simplify my uh, the way of life itself, uh, I think to that extent, I, I can be 
privileged or I can become eligible to experience the higher dimension. So it's all proportionate. Meditation helps us move from mere belief to experience. You know, there, there was a time in 70s where the international currencies, they used to be backed by gold. Mm. And now it is backed by many resources like oil, platinum, or any you know, rare minerals. Also political situation, either it can stabilize or destabilize the currency value. Mm. Like when I came to United States sometime in 1981, the rupee value, the Indian currency was uh, 8 rupee to a dollar. Mm. Now it is 80 plus, 10 mm. times in the last 50 years. Right? Now, <clears throat> this fluctuation, devaluation or incremental valuation of dollar is because of these things that backs it. If you don't have the backing, your value is reduced. Mm. Your knowledge, if it is not backed by experience, it also becomes valueless. Mm. However great your belief system may be, however great your knowledge be, but without experience, knowledge is hollow. Mm. And I always feel that because a, a time came in my life that I experienced something very profound. But then that frustrated me a lot. Mm. What next? Is there something bigger than this? And then when you experience something bigger, then comes what next? Mm. Then what next? And... A time comes, like, you know, when you visit uh, a friend of yours and spend two months, three months, and enjoy the hospitality on her private island, right? And you enjoy it so much, and when you come back, or while you're staying with your friend, you'll say, wow, I love this. <laughs> but deep down in yourself, Though you are experiencing hospitality of a rich friend, you begin to think, I wish I was also as rich as my friend. There's nothing wrong in thinking like that. So experiencing divinity is one thing. But to become divine is another thing altogether. Mm. So we are gradually proceeding from mere thinking or belief to experience to becoming. And then when we become of that order, divine order, that too will frustrate us because that also becomes a burden. My experience shows that even bliss becomes a burden. It's like a honey bee. And you keep that honey bee in a honey pot, it will die in it. Mm. That honey bee was happy enough to get a, just a little, little micro drop of honey from a flower. Mm. But if you give a honey pot, she is sure going to die. So the bliss, yeah. the ultimate bliss also, I think, has to be transcended. Mm. It is not to be enjoyed the way people 
say I enjoy things at a sensual level, it's okay. At the physical level, things are okay because we are, after all, human beings. I love right food, good food. It should taste well, right? When you use shampoo or soap, it's sort of a good fragrance. Mm -hmm. When you wear clothes, it, it must feel good. Right? Yeah. That is okay. But when it comes to things like spiritual things, uh, bliss, for example, um, you cannot have varieties of bliss. Right. And you, you cannot become choosy about the whole thing. But there will definitely be incremental change in your consciousness as we move from one chakra hmm. to another chakra to the next chakra. Our consciousness keeps changing. And that's the beauty of, of our inner spiritual journey within ourselves. And that's really that makes a lot of sense. I think about that this these experiences and just chat with friends that have had, you know, oh, I've I've seen a window into something, and everybody experiences it differently, as you said in your book. And for me, I've you know seen colors and sort of um, you know what kind of looks like DNA before I knew what that was, and and I never really knew what to do with it. I'd come to my parents and say, hey, you know, everybody's connected, the trees, the spirit, and they would say, you know, talk about normal things. So I always look to people doing this like well now i know about you but i would look to um you know leaders of of all different religions to sort of try to figure it out but i really love what you said about you know maybe these experiences are are kind of wake up calls to actually meditate and do something with your life about it but it seems like you've figured that out i love in your book you share that you roamed over maybe it was the next town over to the the nearest uh, place you could sign up to be a monk and they essentially sent you home and said go yes. and and do something yeah. in the real world do you mind sharing about that and I know a lot of people can benefit from that especially Americans that get into yoga and meditation they feel like oh I'm kind of lost now and I don't fit back into my life and I love how you kind of made that more real for people it is applicable to all actually in India as well especially youth and middle-aged people, it's a strong craving that is this world that I am in, is it restrictive to my spiritual growth? But people often criticize that you see, you are always sensually oriented and sensual satisfaction is so bad. And they also go to the extent of creating mythological stories, how so-and-so is born mm. uh, uh, without actual sexual relationship. It happens in many religions. It's not just restricted to the birth of Lord Jesus, to Virgin Mary. It has so many applications. When such stories are heard, I think they are so profound. It only means how when the pure heart merges with the ultimate, it conceives a pure soul. Hmm. It's as simple as that. 
once a person like Mother Mary, who is virgin within, virginity is the ultimate sign of purity, I would say. That doesn't mean one who had sex is impure. No. I don't mean that way. Virginity in traditional religious and spiritual ways, it means it's pure, untouched. Mm. And when the heart remains pure, innocent and untouched, and when you are longing for divinity in the heart, divinity descends in you. And it manifests as your progeny. Mm. Right? And that's why in yoga, they say the, the, there is a special way of conceiving a child. Your attitude mm. prepares the field. If your mind and heart is not pure and simple, your attitude will be different. If you are mating um, like animals, for example, without mm. awareness of some love-filled relationship with your partner, you create a field that will attract a soul that will match that field. Mm. There is no uh, angel trying to send certain soul to your family. Mm. It is as natural as a magnet attracting iron foils. Mm. It is as natural. The universe is created like that. Things happen naturally. So based on the vibratory pattern, we attract a soul matching that. So a preparation by the couple is very important. That before indulging in conception, make sure your attitude at that moment is so profoundly in touch with divinity. You're full of love, radiating love for each other. It's not that you're taking advantage of each other for your own personal pleasure. Mm. Pleasure is an outcome, no doubt. But you come together out of love. Mm. And when that happens, there is no guilt. And where there is no guilt, there is purity. And when there is purity, only soul matching that purity will descend. Mm. And then, of course, much more remains to be nurtured. And now, when the soul enters the system, often people ask, when does the soul enter the body? First of all, the heart begins to be formed. That's the first organ to be formed right after conception. Later on, when the brain is well-formed, physical brain, it is then the soul enters through the 12th chakra or the 15th chakra that I have mentioned in my book, which is called Brahma Randra. And if you have noticed some of the uh, yogis of bygone days, they would keep a small uh, ponytail, <laughs> right? And that, that is the spot of the 12th chakra. And mm -hmm. this is that chakra through which the soul enters the growing fetus. And if the soul has already attained the state of liberation during the lifetime, it is the same chakra through which it will escape. Mm. 
if you have not attained a state of liberation, then the soul will not exit from Brahma Randra Chakra. It will it can exit from your nose, from your mouth, or your from uh, in a muladhara chakra or uh, for eyes or ears, but never from uh, Brahma Randra Chakra. See? The the story that you wanted to hear from me was I mean I like to share that and <laughs> it is heartwarming actually that old elderly gentleman changed my life actually since my childhood I was a bit um, always concerned about what is spirituality is there a God what is the purpose of my life things like that see and all of us they have I mean all of us have similar thoughts and I would begin reading books matching this inner search from mine. And once I stumbled upon a book by Ramakrishna Paramahansa, a gospel that mesmerized me. And I wanted to become like his one of his disciples, Vivekananda. I thought of, okay, I'm young enough now I can go out. I don't have anyone who can depend on me. You know, I was not married then. I said, okay, let me get out. I was then in the second year of my pharmacy college, just moving into third year of pharmacy. During vacation time, I was at home, and then without telling anyone at home, I went to Riverside where there was a beautiful temple, old temple though, must have been 600, 700 years old temple. And there were some Aghori Babas. They were like hippies <laughs> with long hair and, you know, the unbathed, uh, smoking ganja and things like mm. that. But they were very holy. They were always worshipping. Mm. And one elderly person noticed me, my presence there amongst these uh, hippie-like uh, Aghoris. By the time evening, he came near me and said, my dear son, what are you looking for? Mm. I said, would you become my guide? I will serve you to the best of my abilities. I need to have some God realization. I would like to know what is the ultimate and all that. He said, look, somewhere around your age, I also left my home. Now I'm 80 plus. I wish I can go back home, but people will laugh at me and they will not even recognize But my parents will not be there anymore. In the village, nobody would recognize me also. You still have time. You go back. I made a mistake. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, resorting to this uh, way of life, then, within a month only, 
I found someone, a friend of mine rather. He said, Kamlesh, I do see you meditate, but you are so restless. You don't seem to go deep in your meditation. I said, what to do? I don't know how to meditate. Only way I know is just close my eyes and sit quietly and wait for something to happen. So he said, come, I'll take you to a lady. She will put you in trance right away. I said, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I started this heartfulness way of practice. She asked me a few fundamental questions that why do you want to meditate? So same story I shared with her, that I like to become sannyasi, uh, a monk, an ascetic person. And I like to travel all across all those holy places across the globe. And she said, look, God is not lost, that you have to look for him. Then mm -hmm. second thing she told me, you have to marry. Mm -hmm. It is in this relationship that you find true love. And she also tell, told me a very very profound statement. She said, God was not a fool to create two sexes if one was enough. Mm. <laughs> right. So she abolished the whole idea of you know, celibacy and uh, asceticism from my mind. She was very convincing. And then afterwards, she told me how to meditate, focusing my mind, my attention towards the heart, thinking of the presence of divine light. And she said, just sit with this idea. So I sat. And within fraction of a second, I was transported. It's like, mm. you know, in that Star Trek movie, Bimmy Scotty, and you're, yes. you're gone. Like that, I was completely gone. I don't know where I was. Yeah. Absolutely gone. No awareness of even going. Mm. I was zapped. And... Um, it must have been almost in half an hour or so. So she tapped my knees because I was sitting in a Sukhasana. And uh, she, she tapped my knee and said, it's over. It's over. And she herself started crying a little bit. And she said, your condition, your spiritual condition is so good. Uh, and with that, she was very much moved by that. And she said, continue with this meditation. You have excellent samskaras and you will do very well with this meditation. And that experience that I had was most profound one I had so far. And I, it's not only me, but whomsoever we have helped meditate, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe in divinity or not, whether... <clears throat> You're an extremist, but just sit with an idea of experiencing. Something will happen and you yourself will say, I have never felt anything like this in my entire life. 99.99% .99 of people have told us this is the best thing that has happened to them. <sighs> of course. Later on, whether they continue practice or not, it's a different matter altogether because many <laughs> people, they come because wife would say, you must meditate, my darling. And the husband comes out of pressure and the wife and, you know, 
and uh, someone who starts under pressure, I don't think they can succeed so well. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, something really cool that I know will help a lot of people is it sounds like this experience, you know, with the, with the knee tap and you're gone and you're back. Um, yes. Was it, was it part of the impulse that, that really set you on the action of everything that you did from there with being in New York and opening your businesses and then coming back and starting the Heartfulness Center and really reaching out to people in this way is, you know, it seems like everything you do has this sort of pull. Maybe it's from that, that, that back chakra, that whack on the back of the head kind of moving forward is that, um, um, sort of how you figured out all of the things to do in life. And I know a lot of people really struggle with, they'll do the meditation and then they'll try to almost from their brain, like figure out what to do, what steps to take. And it sounds like you have this more seamless approach of, of doing action in your life that I, that I know, however you explain it can help a lot of people. Well, what I've learned through this meditation is it brings about centeredness in us. Like when you close your eyes and you receive this flow of transmission during meditation, it uplifts us. It helps us center ourselves. It makes us very extremely aware of what to do and especially what not to do. Yeah. Even mundane thoughts would come. Like when I was running a pharmacy, for example, I would before I go to a pharmacy in Brooklyn, I would sit at home and meditate. I would meditate for about half an hour on an average. Sometimes it would be five minutes, sometimes it will be 55 minutes. <laughs> but mm -hmm. average was 30 minutes. But during that 30 minutes, maybe a few minutes, it will take settling down and going in. But... During those uh, settling down phase, I will also have some other relevant as well as irrelevant thoughts, mm. uh, which comes up to go actually. They come up to filter what to do, what not to do, for example, or some prejudice that I had developed for someone, how it gets ironed out. The new understanding begins in that phase. And once I slowly get drowned into a state of meditation, right, that is mainly centering myself. And that helps change my awareness altogether. And depending upon my attitude before the meditation, the quality of meditation will change. For example, if I was rushing that today is Monday and my Verrazano bridge will be very busy. So let me finish my meditation fast. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, I try to rush up things and I, uh, what happens then I will spoil my meditation. Rushing things. But if I just sit quietly and it's all right, my meditation doesn't take more than half hour anyway. 
So I go through that process without limiting myself that I have to sit only for 30 minutes. Whenever I have put a time limit to my meditation, that I will meditate for 5 minutes or I will meditate for 10 minutes or I will meditate for 1 hour, that meditation will always be spoiled. Because mm -hmm. now you are you are playing with time. Your awareness is more on time. Meditation, it helps us go beyond space and time. So you can't fix, okay, I have to meditate only for this much time. So my advice, my sincere request to all those who like to meditate is, don't fix the time. Fix your time when to meditate, but don't, don't say that I'm going to get out of this uh, and open my eyes after half hour or after 20 minutes. So let it flow naturally. Mm. So it's the attitude uh, that we have before meditation changes the course of our consciousness. Love that. And it's really mentioned in your book quite a bit, that attitude and um, and centeredness. I love, I've, I've studied and try to, as much I can, center myself when I do my yoga practice. And Tai Chi talks about that quite a bit. And I'd love if you um, are open to share a bit about how you share in the book, centeredness and the soul being connected or the same or kind of how we can feel that centeredness by, you know, finding our actual center while we meditate. Think of the universe like this. When you go outward, there are many YouTube videos also showing how you are moving from this planet and you are mm. above and you are near the moon and how the earth looks like and you go out of the solar system and how the earth looks like a dot mm. and you go beyond this Milky Way, you know how they have depicted. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful where you don't even see the earth after some time. Likewise, when we go inward, to what extent can we go inward? Right. So, <clears throat> digging deeper within ourselves, digging deeper within our consciousness, has to do with how soft is my consciousness, how flexible is my consciousness. How flexible is my nature? So to that extent, I will, able, I will be able to go deeper. Once the rigidity kicks in, that means you have hit the rock. Mm. You have to melt that rock somehow through your own practice. Let it be broken and mm. then further. So the, the centeredness It's always receding. Like uh, going outward into this infinite universe, how far can you go? It's mm -hmm. limitless, endless. Likewise, within also, 
it is also endless going within. Awesome. Okay, maybe beauty, you know. Beauty of this going within is <clears throat> you don't need special vessel to go out into the space. <laughs> <laughs> you can go with your, you can swim with your uh, consciousness and mm -hmm. actually experience. The, and your own experience only you can understand. Mm -hmm. When you are in such a peaceful state, fine. The next day in meditation, you also attain some level of peace. Can you say it was the same as yesterday? Mm. There is also a spectrum of peacefulness. There is a spectrum of courage. There is a spectrum of fear. Mm. There is a spectrum of hatred. Mm. I hate someone. Mm. Then I hate somebody else even more. <laughs> <laughs> So, there is a whole spectrum of these uh, qualities that we feel. And these are all associated with each chakra. Mm. For example, when you are on the heart chakra, you feel so much of contentment at times and so much of frustration related to Oh, I don't have enough money to support my support my paying the rents or paying the tuition fees or you know things like that. Or mm -hmm. I don't have a house, I don't have a car. So these mm -hmm. sort of uh, thoughts, which are, I mean, we lot of us go through such problems in life, which are related to the heart center. Mm -hmm. When we move to the atma center which is exactly opposite to its sign, almost three fingers below the right nipple is the Atma Chakra. And there one feels so much of peace within. Hmm. And its exact opposite also is there, because life is all dvandva, it's all polarity. There is positive, there is negative. There is Purusha, there is Prakriti. Both has mm. to go together. Mm. <clears throat> Likewise, the fire chakra, which is also three about three fingers above the left nipple, mm. there you feel immense compassion towards others mm. or dislike something of that sort. Oh, I don't, I don't feel compassionate. Both they go together. Here also, about three fingers up above the right nipple is the water chakra. And there you feel extremely fearless. Mm. When it opens up, you 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 feel as if you are invincible. Mm. Yeah. At the same time, at, there would be times where you feel so fearful about certain things in life. But they go together here. But once it is cleaned up, this fear will go away, and the right understanding will come. And through mm. right understanding, fear disappears. With wrong understanding, you will create only illusions. The clarity of the mind will be lost, and that is the quality of this chakra, what we call water mm -hmm. chakra. And beyond, there is Agya chakra, 
And there are so many other chakras above that, and that's what I have tried to uh, share. That we we all go through similar states, similar awareness, similar level of consciousness, similar experiences. We all go through. Of course, the intensity can change. Uh, also, sensitivity of a person can change. You know, person to person as well as the circumstances. Like what I used to feel in 1980s, 1979, I was extraordinarily sensitive to reception of transmission or this pranavati we talk about. I don't have that level of uh, sensitivity in myself anymore. And I keep struggling, trying to understand why is it not there. In my beginning days, I was extremely sensitive. I could feel transmission working clockwise or anti-clockwise, or the vibrations are coming straight or coming in a circular fashion. Uh, but now I don't feel those sorts of vibrations. And I keep wondering, what is wrong with me? Mm. <laughs> Think you're okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, I that I have to console myself. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> I have one one um, question. I I kind of feel like you might know the answer to it because you spoke about it a little bit in your book, and I've always wondered this since I learned about science and and also the connections that we have before the Big Bang. Was there an even bigger softening or this sort of opposite of rigidity and you talk about in your book these coils and I love how you relate science and nature and this experience of centeredness and 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 all of the consciousness but do you have any insights into the maybe their softness before the actions but uh <laughs> what was there before the creation where there are stars were there galaxies? Were there planets? If there were no stars, there was no light. There was only darkness. The entire space was dark. Was this darkness filled with any particles? No. If you put particles in it, that means some creation was already there. Right? Manifested universe, we talk about that. Okay, Big Bang was there and this atomic world, molecular world and system, system world uh, was created. If we say that once that singularity expanded. My guide used to say that there was so much a balance at that level. And once that idea came, I don't know how the idea came, but I, and at that time I was not in, you know, when this conversation was going on, I was not there, otherwise I would have asked him. He said the balance was lost. The idea of creation of the universe, that very idea created imbalance and Big Bang was there. Hmm. 
But I like this concept of darkness before the creation. And that's why uh, the Indian uh, sages, I would say, sages from the East, <clears throat> they created a statue. That's a safe place, but dark as possible. Mm. Black one. And uh, the moment of that Big Bang was so volatile. It's like billions and billions of atomic bombs were blasted, kind of. And it was such a volatile and scary moment. So they depicted that scary moment with the that statue, uh, shapeless statue of the goddess with black and with oozing uh, out from her mouth. That's what uh, they called her as Kali. The, the mother of the whole creation. It is the space that was always there. Mm. The womb was always there. Mm. The feminine principle was always there. It has no beginning and it will have no end. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time. I want to give you some chance to rest and not um, keep you so long, but I could ask you questions for forever, but I'll have to come visit and just sit in the <laughs> audience and be one of those people waving around. But thank you so much for your wonderful book. I feel like I can have you anytime and, and all of the lessons are, are right there for everyone. So Really appreciate that you took the time here to talk with me and with everyone. And thank you for all your generous and lovely wisdom thank and sharing. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. And hopefully come one day to Kanha. Mm -hmm. You'll enjoy it. I, I'd You'll love to. It. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 